0: Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast, the show where four millennials who missed the boat 25 years ago take the dive for the first time. Join us as we experience the series with a fresh perspective and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. My name is Cody.
1: I'm Stella. I'm Mallory.
2: And I'm James. And this week, we are talking about season two, episode 11, Sex, She Wrote. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But before we do, Stella.
3: I'm just going to hit you with a little capeside correspondence. Pew, 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 pew. We got a message on the gram from someone by the name of Cup of Tea Therapy. Mm. They say, I'm so glad that Pacey Slander has officially ended. Can't wait to hear you all fall in love with him. Hmm. And let me tell you, Cup of Tea Therapy, I am deep deep in love with Pacey.
0: Yeah, I've already broken up with Stella to marry Pacey, a fictional <laughs> character.
2: I'm glad that they're no longer writing Pacey to be a disgusting sex pest.
0: How about we we put it that way?
3: Yeah. Yeah. He,
0: yeah. What a turn. He's yeah. my
3: favorite character.
0: Yeah, That's for sure. Great. It's so easy to understand why when these early episodes of us discussing this show were dropping and people would go why the fuck do you hate yeah. Pacey? And yeah. it's like, why the fuck do you like Pacey? Yeah, yeah because
1: like in the trajectory of the show, this, that was this little teeny sliver yeah. of it. Yeah. And then the rest is probably him being amazing. Like, you know, it's just, yeah.
2: He's going to become see, the pope we'll forget by the end of this show. <laughs> I hope so. I
3: don't know. I, so, okay, recently I have a couple of coworker friends, one of which is like a diehard Dawson's Creek fan, has oh, watched boy. it like Whoa. a bajillion times. And um, the other person is watching it for the first time with her. And Did she, they just start a podcast? No. <laughs> oh, but I told are them, they listening to our podcast? No, they're a little Excuse bit me. further ahead. I've encouraged oh. them to listen, and they are going to try and slow down so they can be on track with us. But um, uh, my coworker who's watching it for the first time, I think they're in season three right now, and they still um. I think are not a huge fan of Pacey. So uh, I like, I really want her Maybe. to write in because I'm yeah. so curious of like what her first time perspective is on the characters.
1: Yeah, yeah, even if she doesn't listen, she could write in and let us know. Or yeah. they. Yeah. Excuse me. They.
2: And for all Sorry. of our listeners out there who want to send us hate mail for our hate of Pacey, you can just send it to Stella's coworker instead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, now, I mean, that feel, kind, it kind of feels like a spoiler. Like, is Pacey going to do something horrible? Yeah. I makes- don't think,
3: I think my other coworker was like, surprised and frustrated hmm. that you <laughs> surprised and frustrated Interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but i feel like well naturally like all the characters naturally have like moments where we don't like them so maybe there yeah. will yeah. be times that we still I like wonder if there's going to be
2: moments where we just like Dawson. I <laughs> wonder.
1: <Yeah, everyone's laughs> still waiting for that one. <laughs>
2: uh, he, he's kind of getting there. I don't know. They, yeah. I, I think that they're doing some work in this mid midway point of season two. I think they kind of wrote themselves into some corners and we're trying starting to see them try to get out of it. And this episode mm-hmm. feels like maybe not the best example of it in some ways because it's the first of it to be continued. But right. But um yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see where Pacey's trajectory continues to go
0: and if he somehow gets back to being a sex pest. Mm. You, you talk about writing characters into corners, and it seems as though, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't gotten an episode that was actually written by Kevin Williamson since the finale yeah. of season one. And I want and I just wonder about his participation in the show. I know that he leaves the room at one point right. and he just like remains as an executive producer, but he's like not like involved in the actual writing. So did he, like, is he the worst part of the show? Like, did he, (laughs) like, establish a show that's not good and then people like Mike White came in and fixed it? Yeah. And so he's just getting, like, all the the good stuff. Like, he's like, I'm the creator of the show that Mike White improved. Mm
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I wonder because maybe he's just, you know, like we've talked about a couple of times, this semi-autobiographical, uh, about his life. Maybe he's just too damn close to it. And he, it's like my precious, right? He doesn't want mm-hmm. any of these changes that other people are like, we need to make people better <laughs> to or make things better, mm-hmm. make some changes to make this show better.
0: And I wonder if, um, I mean, like maybe we're getting like a little too heady in in like this read. I of doubt it. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so far, like so many pieces of season two have been wrapped up in the drama of Dawson writing the script that mirrors his life far too closely, and people are criticizing him for it. So I wonder if this was also the writers' room criticizing right. Kevin Williamson of like this is Ooh. what happens when you write mm. something too close to reality because mm. then it mm. like ends up being kind of not good. Right. I like that. Interesting.
3: Well, Mal, don't, don't yes, us, let's hit get us with some deets. Okay, Thanks for that so, message, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank
1: you. So this episode aired on January 20th,
2: 1999.
1: Wow. And the Max Synopsis says: when an unsigned letter reveals that someone has been having sex, Abby sets out to expose the guilty couple. Ah! Uh, hmm. This was written by Mike White and Greg Berlanti. Woo! Me. uh directed by nick mark nick mark nick mark nick mark
2: I, great name <laughs> Two first uh, names. i was curious about nick mark and just to see oh okay I, I guess it's not getting too far ahead of us to say this episode had a kind of distinct visual style oh yes yeah so i was yeah. curious like where nick had worked previously what other shows he'd worked mm-hmm. on he did a lot of buffy the vampire Slayer. okay there we go that makes sense the x-files Yes. Mm, and okay. I think that explains this episode a lot when I, when, mm, when, yeah, definitely, you know, looking at it. It's a lot of dark, brooding, mm-hmm. rainy, washed out scenes. And I think we have Nick Mark to thank for that. So I just want to say thank you, Nick Mark. Yeah. You should do more episodes Thanks of this Nick show. Mark. Yeah. Spoiler
0: alert for me, but this is definitely my favorite episode of the series wow. so far. Wow. And now it that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. Two of my favorite shows, and one of their production directors are uh, fingerprints all over yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feels good. Finger- Pretty cool. Well, I guess we should probably
2: just go ahead and get into this wonderful episode of Dawson's Creek.
0: Previously on Dawson's Creek, everyone had sex, or did they? And now the exciting conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately following the... Possible sex capades. Joey and Jack awkwardly exchange "see you and hashtag "no regretses, followed by a smooch. While elsewhere, Dawson and Jen stumble over the words for one another, trying to make sense of what just happened. Also followed by a smooch, this time on the forehead. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pacey and Andy make out and repeatedly thank each other before she heads back to her place the next day. Dawson presents a class project on the 1945 Agatha Christie adaptation of And Then There Were None. He explains the basic structure of the mystery genre. Wink, wink. When it's evil Abby's turn, she makes an excuse as to why her project is late. She'll have to present later or fail the entire course. As the teacher reminds them of the upcoming book fair, horny hunk Chris finds a mysterious note on the ground. Hmm. At lunch, Joey and Jack are awkward as hell. Joey pulls out her unhinged doodle of jack to give him a sneak peek but he's worried someone else might see at another table andy tries to surprise pacey with a smooch but he's distracted (laughs) elsewhere something is afoot he doesn't want to show andy his history quiz grade and won't give her an inch even though she's being fun and flirty he blows her off saying he needs to study All while Dawson gives Jen his new script revisions. Of course, you guessed it. The script changes mere real life. (laughs) He's been inspired. They both say what happened happened, and they're still friends, and they got a movie to make. Hmm. On the other side of the calf, Chris presents the mysterious note to Abby, an unsigned letter declaring the writer needs to take some time to gather themselves, stating that sex changes everything. Abby declares this to be her ...mystery project. She'll solve who the writer is. Who had sex? She narrows down our heroes as the likely couples. She enlists Chris help offering heavy petting in return. Hubba, hubba, hubba. Later, while Dawson and Joey wait out the rainstorm, Joey tells Dawson about her naked man doodle but doesn't offer Dawson a peek. All while Dawson says casting for the Joey character in his script isn't going anywhere because another Joey is hard to find. She wonders if the movie is about them and asks to read it worrying it's a character assassination. Dawson says he never, it's tense, and Dawson departs. Elsewhere, Abby and Chris connect the dots on Dawson's script, linking it to Dawson and Jen boning. They question Jen, who is rightfully annoyed and denies the events. Abby ain't having it, but she's not convinced. Abby and Chris go on to question the rest of our heroes using sneaking and scheming to get the deets. When she reaches Andy, Abby declares that rumors are abound about her and Pacey fucking Andy (laughs) angrily leaves. In a classroom, Chris tells Joey about the new script rewrites and puts it in her bag to read later. Joey leaves accidentally forgetting her hot male nude drawing (laughs) of Jack. (laughs) Abby pops in and they both eyeball the doodle with shocks gasps and hurrahs later that night in dawson's room abby shows up to question him abby brings up joey sleeping with jack and before leaving hands the jack doodle to dawson she has successfully sowed her seeds of paranoia anger fear and sadness the next day Abby and Chris ponder who the lovebirds might be Abby switches up her strategy saying if she pretends to know then the answers will be forthcoming she hands off some letters for Chris to deliver and he calls her Nancy Drew from hell (laughs) at the book fair (laughs) at the book fair Pacey tries to talk to Andy about why he was so weird the other day but she's pissed at him for spreading rumors which she heard from Abby Pacey has no idea what she's talking about she's sad he's sad he departs and over at a table Andy finds a letter addressed to her elsewhere Joey and Jen talk about the new script revisions Joey thinks it's one-sided and shouldn't be filmed she wants to know what's autobiographical but Jen won't spill the beans in the Capeside high hallways Jack finds a letter addressed to him before being accosted by Dawson who hands over the sexy new Jack Doodle <laughs> before dipping <laughs> That night, all of our heroes find themselves wandering into a dark classroom, all having received letters of invitation. They're confused and upset. Is this some kind of joke? No, heroes. It's Abby Morgan! She pops in with cameraman Chris and declares her (laughs) nefarious mystery project, the letter discovery, its contents, her whodunit clues. She lays out all the drama, Joey Dawson, and they both say they had sex. But Jen and Jack deny it. Jen says they Couldn't go through with it, and Jack doesn't share the why. Abby declares the handwriting belonged to Pacey, who then admits to Andy he is the writer. He's (laughs) speechless. Andy's confused, upset, hurt. She runs out of the classroom. As everyone mopes out of the room, Jen gives Abby a piece of her mind. She calls
4: Abby. pathetic
0: the next day joey delivers her mystery project also on agatha christie when it's abby's turn her conscience gets the best of her that's right listeners she will not be presenting the life-destroying project thank you in another classroom (laughs) jack and jen find themselves alone and hash out their drums. Jen doesn't know what to do with Dawson thinking he's not there yet for sex and or a relationship Jack says he wished he could be more open like her when Jen asks why he and Joey didn't do the deed he whispers to her that he couldn't get it up he says he really wanted to but he was just too scared Jen says she's been there too and they have a laugh about it in the parking lot Andy heads to her car and Pacey jumps in he wants to explain himself and she doesn't He doesn't want to hear it. He insists and shows her his history quiz, revealing that he had gotten an A. He tells her that it's the first A he's ever gotten, and it mentally broke him. Everything is changing. He's questioning if they should have ever had sex, and he's freaking out about questioning just about everything these days. He's afraid because she's the most important person in his life, and he tells her that he's hopelessly in love with her. She tells him that she shares his exact fear, and they kiss. Back by the lockers, Dawson and Joey connect over why they didn't have sex with their respective partners. Joey says it's not about setting or timing, it's about it being with the perfect person. They go outside to wait out the rain again. Dawson wants to know why she wanted him to think that she slept with Jack and she says right back at you, pal, with Jen. They leave it at that and agree they're happy neither actually did the deed. They tell each other that they miss each other and want what they used to have, but it's got to start slow. Together, (laughs) they begin to walk home in the rain, and Joey tells him that she likes the way he sees her in the script.
4: Woo! 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 Yeah.
3: That's our episode. Yep. Well. Well. Before we get started,
2: First, I
4: yeah. have
1: okay.
0: a question. <laughs> okay, but because <laughs> before, hold we get, on now. before we get started, I have a serious question, and I'm not going to be able to even think about this episode okay. until this is figured out. Did Andy and Pacey actually fuck? Uh, no. well, it
2: seems like it, but I yes. could have swore they didn't.
0: It doesn't make sense to I know.
2: know. It doesn't,
1: but yeah. um, it was a to be, you know, like, who knows? They could have. But the before thing is, they where left did the room. they have sex? They could have before they left the room. They could, we could have, they could have.
2: So they decided to out, lea- miss, yeah. leave and then they like, right.
0: Like, but you know what? It's so weird. Cause I rewatched yeah. that scene Yeah, and they like, he explains to her that he wants to wait and that's not like him, they kiss and then he, the last thing he says is let me drive you back home, yeah. smash cut to him opening the door right. of the bed and breakfast and they're right. leaving, do they right. fuck in the car? Possibly <laughs> I read.
1: I thought. I, I think I read a theory that so, like, they forget the key in the room, like the car key in the room, so they go back, but then they like, I don't know, like. So, but then what? the person, that yeah, it like saw, no, no, it was, it was yeah, like okay. fanfic, and the person was like, but I think maybe I'm thinking of a different show, and so I was just like, I don't know, yeah, and with know, his like, lusty, well, heavy I guess the breath. point is, the point, the point is like, it's supposed to be left. I mean, we're supposed to not really know, right? Because of course. yeah, so.
2: But to Cody's point, they when do. Could I know when they when, they, when could they have? Yeah. Maybe Pacey sneaks up into her room after he drops her off. And sure,
3: yeah, oh, know, that's true. Yeah, but don't s- we see her walk to the house and then him? And, and no, him. I don't think he's just we
0: standing. See. You see the her back, yeah, and yeah. she's walking away from the camera towards a house, mm-hmm. and he's standing by the car looking at her, being like, uh, it, "I love her."
4: Yeah.
1: Wait, do we actually see them leave the hotel room? Yes. Yes. Oh, well, okay, we don't see okay. them
0: leave the hotel room. We see them
2: smash cut to them leaving the bed and breakfast.
1: That's what I mean. The bed and breakfast. So, do no. you see, see them, them like exiting the room? Yeah, or leaving exiting out from outside
2: down the
0: alleyway. Yeah, like so from, you outside, be, you from outside. You don't see them leaving yeah. from inside. So they could have fucked in the hallway yes. of the yeah. bed and breakfast.
1: Well, no, but they could have like in <laughs> between. Like that could have been a, like let's say if it was a scene, it would have been like they had sex and then left. But like we didn't see yeah. them leaving from inside. We saw them leaving from outside. Mm. Okay. So we didn't see what happened before they walked out the door. They
0: fucked on the <laughs> stairs.
1: <laughs> okay, so...
0: They fucked in the breakfast part of the bed and breakfast. Yes,
2: exactly.
4: Okay,
1: so this being our first to be continued, I wanted to return to the conversation about Joey and Jack's matchy-matchy plaid shirts. Oh, yeah. Mm. This is the first thing we see. Yeah. yeah. Um. And Cody had asked thoughts on that, on that mirrored plaid. So I wanted to explore that a bit more. Um, so plaid button-up shirts were very popular in the '90s.
4: We can and make video. Kurt Cobain can, for that one.
1: Yeah, exactly, they made their way from being iconic to grunge fashion to an everyday fashion staple very quickly um, because they're comfortable. They come in different colors, cuts. Like they go with jeans. Everyone, uh, we got wearing, Stella and a Cody a right Cody now. Are, Cody's wearing a red one. They're both wearing plaid shirts. Um. So that being said, I don't think this is just a product of a popular clothing item in this scene. It could be, you know, because they're popular. But um, so I found this article on the brief history of the plaid shirt and it really captured what I think is the coolest thing about about this item of clothing um, in saying that, quote, they've transcended decades, genres, classes, genders and generations and will likely continue to do so for a long time. So. The fact that Joey and Jack are both wearing plaid shirts could be a commentary on like the transcendence of their relationship as something mm. undefined. Mm. We still don't really know what it is, um, or it could signify, signify that they're maybe they're too similar and mm. that it won't work out in the long run. Mm. Interesting. So I like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
2: Interesting read for sure.
0: But there's another thing that happens in this episode with matching colors of red and blue, which is. Joey and Dawson wearing their blue and rain red coats. raincoats. Yes, yeah. their raincoats. Yeah, Which is interesting that they're using this color combo now for two different colors, uh, both o- involving Joey.
1: Orange and blue for, Joey, for Je- uh, Jack and Joey.
0: We'll, say, we'll call it a hot color. Okay. Hot color, warm, and cold. Color. Warm, warm and cold. Warm and cold. Warm, warm and
1: cold. Warm <laughs> and cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, on the note of the plaid shirts, um, I also noticed Jen is wearing an oversized plaid shirt as pajamas. And mm. I, at first I thought, did you? Did is she wearing Dawson's shirt? But I looked back, and she was actually wearing that when he got into bed with her. So that was like what she was mm-hmm. wearing as pajamas, which I also thought was, you know, it's just a product of like it's the '90s and everyone wears, wears plaid shirts.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but costuming, you know,
2: but it
0: does and feel meaning. That's it does meaning. feel it does pointed though, because yeah. Joey and. Jack having matching. Yeah. Yes. Like their shirts are from the same rack. Right. They got exactly, <laughs> They're
1: like the same cut, the same. Yeah. yeah. Just different colors. But so. it is
0: pointed that Jen is also wearing plaid, but hers is not matching. Yeah. So she's not a part of the, whatever no. this is. Oh, oh, yeah.
1: definitely. Definitely. Yeah.
2: I mean, as we know, they do a lot of intentional costuming on this mm-hmm. show. We've explored it. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's coincidence. Mal, I think you're onto something.
0: Thanks. Or, <laughs> Or they're trying to tell us a secret message. Count the plaid vertical stripes.
1: How many (laughs) squares? Count
0: the
2: horizontal stripes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, divide it by the number of squares. I don't know if you watched Twin Peaks The Return when it was on air, but the message boards for that show was very funny because there's like one shot of a plane going by and the windows were reflecting sunlight and so it looked like they were blinking and Uh-oh. people were like this might be a Morse code message that Lynch is trying to send us to tell us what's <laughs> happening to Coop um, which is obviously true of course and yeah. I feel like Kevin Williamson and or Mike White and or Berlotti or any of the other people in the creatives were trying to tell us something with I these flat I shards. think you're right
3: um, okay uh, different topic <laughs> <laughs> better involve a <laughs> I do have more fashion to talk about, but oh, later. Okay. Later. Okay. later. Later. Okay, yeah, Abby had some great yes. outfits. Yeah. Uh, I just had a fun little catch that there's, um, when Chris has the note that he finds and he's opening it, there's yes. a poster behind him that says, open it. Yep. Oh, yes, I saw mm. that. I loved that. I thought that was well, fun.
1: Was though confused about Chris being the one that finds the note? Because I swear in the synopsis, like, the multiple synopsis that we read before this, it said, Abby finds the note. Well, but and I was just confused. I was like, that's not Abby, that's yeah. Chris. Well, yeah. she
2: is the one who is the, like, ringleader for,
1: yes, for of course. doing the
2: whole investigation. But
1: it, it would have been cooler to have Abby find the note, mm. I think.
2: Yeah, So that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about. And, look, first of all, I got to say, who the fuck is Chris? Because I only know a Crass. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Sorry.
2: But Whoops. Abby and Crass, The last episode, the election, they were, um, you know, paired together, and it kind of came out of nowhere. It was like, why the fuck are these people together? This episode, they're paired together. So are are they an item of some sort? Or is this just like very bad, convenient writing where they're like, we need yeah. a male villain and we need a female villain. Yeah, like,
1: are they teasing a future item right. of them? That's what I'm because wondering too. Because Crass
2: very much is like all about this, yeah. you know, trying to get with Abby. And Abby is stringing him along with it, right? Like, I'll let you touch me in bad places if you go yeah. along with my shitty... Th- thing that i'm trying to do but she doesn't actually seem that interested in him
3: yeah it's no. weird and it's like isn't he supposed to be like a popular jock right and yeah so why he has he like no out? friends yeah, yeah it's, it's like why, like, why like, is he spending all yeah. his time with, abby? with
2: the black sheep of the school like everybody yeah. hates abby seemingly
3: it's very it's odd bizarre.
0: they remind me of uh cronk and the bad girl from The Emperor's New Groove. Like, she's like the evil mastermind, and he's <laughs> yeah. just the dumb, yeah. Like, yeah. he's the meat. He's the yep, heavy that sure. will, like, carry out yeah, her Yeah, there's got to
1: be, like, two of them for this, yeah, this whole structure that happened. It's, As you know, to
0: why they're put together, yeah. who the fuck knows? Yeah. It is just convenient writing Yeah, it's like we have these two characters we don't really know what to do with, so why not just put them together. I mean it's it's funny. It's yeah. like a, yeah. the it dumb jock with the smart evil person. It's kind of a trope and it totally works. So, And now yeah.
3: we like have it confirmed that they are going to be in Dawson's movie.
0: Yeah. Right. Oh God.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. That's the two leads. I mm-hmm.
2: am wondering if this is going to be like with them cast in the lead, are we actually going to see them ever shooting this movie like we did in mm. season one? Or are we going to get, this is just going to be a background behind the scenes thing that they're constantly talking about, mm. but we're never mm-hmm. seeing. Just
0: really hope we get to see Chris in a wig.
4: <laughs> in a <block> wig? <laughs> yeah.
0: God, can you imagine? It would be so cool. And Abby in a wig. Yeah. For that matter. Yeah. That's true. Oh my God.
3: Um. Also just, I thought Chris had like a few really fun little one-liners. <laughs> Well, he does say that um, everyone knows, or we know you are, you're Nancy Drew from hell. Yeah, that was funny. Very cool. Um, but also he says uh, when when Abby and Chris are going through every all the couples and stuff about who could it be, mm-hmm. uh-huh. he goes, and Joey's got her hot little angle. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> What? <laughs> What does that mean? I, I don't know, but I thought it was really funny. It, it,
0: it, sounded, like they, they, it sounded like they were speaking noir talk. Yeah, like, everything is yeah. so yeah. stylized mm-hmm. in there. Yes. So you yeah. could imagine, like, a 1945 noir detective going, like, and she's got her angle, too. Like,
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that, it did feel like it was this episode i think is pretty clearly in homage to agatha christie and the whole mm-hmm. like mystery yeah. convenient mystery murder mystery, mystery, yeah. murder mystery plot mystery. right so mm-hmm. i think you're totally spot on there that's just another little nod to like this weird noirification pseudo noir that we get mm-hmm. especially when we get into that last the big you know um god what's the it's got a film term where they all the the loose threads become um denouement the, when we get to the denouement mm. right in the classroom and Abby and Crass come in with a camera that is like a noir <laughs> scene 100% yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah I don't know I I I really I think this episode is actually pretty fucking awesome I yeah. really yeah. enjoyed
1: yeah. it yeah I, I love the atmosphere and like the um, like the ambiance yeah. of the like the Feeling of It,
2: it felt it was so good. successful yeah. in putting us in a, in Cape side, mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. the storm, there's something mm-hmm. fun happening. It reminded me of the hurricane episode in season one, which oh, yeah. was one of our favorite episodes of that season. And I wonder if it's just like when there's something environmental happening, this mm-hmm. show clicks a lot better than when it's just like we're in a sterile
3: mm-hmm. town
2: with a bunch of white
0: people who are all living their
2: white little lives and yeah, nobody's really doing or having anything yeah. happen.
0: Well, I think it's like when it, for me, it's not necessarily the the storm itself, the environment itself, but it's, they're thinking with genre and yeah. when mm-hmm. they're like using genre, it forces them to think of new things to do and yeah. like uh, like the hurricane episode, I didn't necessarily like that episode, but you're right. Like using <laughs> something that's like big, something that's yeah. like way bigger than their own internalized drama forces them to uh, face their demons. And I think when they're using genre trappings that also forces them because there's now like set pieces to involve the genre. It's like, I also wasn't that big of a fan of the detention episode, uh, but I only thought it was because of being so derivative. But at the same time, like they used that smartly to force Mm -hmm. these characters to bring up things that they had been avoiding so much. Yeah. Yeah. And here we get that, like using a mystery to force all these characters to face their demons. Now it's like the truth being unveiled. It's smart. Right. It's really good mm-hmm. writing. And the fact that they do stylistically, you know, it's visualized, it's tactile. Mm-hmm. You see Venetian blinds, you see rain, you see right. dark images, candle angles. Yeah. Yes. It, it looks so good.
3: <laughs> yeah. And like the, the storm, like when the lights would flash, there was yeah. of that. That was yeah. really fun.
0: Yeah.
2: They did a really good job. I I, I thought this was just a, a fantastic episode. And especially when we're in the classroom and we're seeing on the poster behind them, they've got the little crossword thing and it says Big Dickens. Did, oh, you I noticed that. that. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like is it, Dickens is Dickens like circled, Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's highbrow humor. You know, you can (laughs) only get that in Dawson's Creek.
0: (laughs) And we always talk about how it's frustrating when we watch the show and there's only like things that a couple characters get to do and everyone else is just kind of like treading water. This Mm -hmm. forced every character to do something. Yeah. I mean, we don't obviously get like anything with Mitch and Gail or Bessie, but like the core crew, like they're all doing stuff.
2: They're learning. It seems like they are learning. I don't know if they, this is their plan all along, but I wanted to get back to something that you were saying, Cody, that like this show you think or you're kind of saying if I were to restate it that when they're doing something through plot, like using, you know, elements of a a genre, um, the the show is doing best. It's kind of interesting because that's like using artifice to make it more relatable or more realistic about these characters who are trying to be authentic. I think that's kind of an interesting thing that like in order for them to really, reveal these big plot beats for their characters they have to then mask it through like a a genre play mm-hmm. or an homage to something else that's when it's really doing well there's that, that's weird to me they, they can't like tread new water and get those same beats or those same uh, uh results
0: i mean that's uh, dawson's worldview right Yeah, exactly. It's like we're seeing this being projected, but it's also something that's so fascinating to me is it's Abby and Chris with the camera, not Dawson with the camera. It's Mm -hmm. what they're perceiving and how they film it, and that is the truth that they're creating. Yeah, And um, not to bring up David Lynch uh, like we fucking do every other episode, but it reminds me a lot of Lost Highway, and the conceit of that is there's videotapes being sent to someone's house and in those videotapes, something disturbing appears on screen. And when the detectives confront Bill Pullman about this, he says something along the lines of, uh, he hates video cameras because he likes to remember things his own way. Mm -hmm. And when something is videotaped, that is the truth. So, Mm bringing that into Dawson's Creek when Abby and Chris come in with their camera, that's where all the truths are exposed. And now we have like concrete evidence of like what's actually happening in these people's lives and it's uh, filmed and recorded.
4: Yeah. But the yeah. fact that
0: this comes from Abby and Chris is so interesting to me. And I love that it's a curveball because yeah. if we were to hear about this episode divorced of anything else, we would have assumed, Oh, it's Dawson who's making a movie for the mystery class.
4: Right. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I, I, I was thinking about this earlier. And I think this is an interesting, uh, you know, potential segue there. If they were to remake this show today, this episode would be fantastic, right? Like add the little Abby analog going around shooting her own little like true crime documentary Mm -hmm. on iPhones and (laughs) shit like that. And I think what this episode really missed and really lacked was like an episode After a scene after like they are showing them, you know, Chris filming, Crass filming all of this happening, then cut to them like at Crass's room and they're reviewing the footage and like, are you sure you want me to put this all together? And Abby's like, yes, do it. And then we get the reveal in the end where she doesn't do it because it's like we got so little of them actually dealing with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's all about like figuring it out. And then once she once we figure it out, it's not a particularly hard mystery to solve, I don't yeah. think, you know? So it, I think it, it should have been more of a morality play about like, okay, she now has this ammunition. Mm, is yeah. she going to use it? Rather than, oh, what is she going to do
0: to get this something over? And again, mm-hmm. I think that it's like, if this were Dawson doing this, then we would have gotten yes, that morality 100%. play. 100%. Mm. Uh, but I'm with you. I wish that we got to see that with Abby because it is cool that, another curveball she doesn't present to the class and that was yeah. really mm-hmm. it was actually the first time I've been surprised by this show even though mm-hmm. you could see it a, a million miles away the you know this is a morality tale uh, but f- from her perspective what a twist exactly yeah
3: I love that moment um when Andy thinks Abby and um Abby like has like a sweet smile yeah of being like yeah I did do the right thing <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah it It was a total curveball, though. Like, I was expecting her to put the VHS tape in there and then something goes wrong, right? That eats the tape or it pulls the thing out and we just Mm -hmm. don't get to see Mm -hmm. it. Or, you know, the storm comes back and it cuts the power before she can press play. I really thought we were going to get that kind of convenient. We never see this. But instead, we get a heartwarming moment between her and Abby. Or, sorry, her, Abby and Andy. And, like, she has a conscience, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. She... Res- she didn't necessarily respond well to Andy thanking her. She was kind of like, whatever. But then she cheats to the camera and we get that she feels good about it. So mm-hmm. is she going to change? Will Can she, Will change? she change? Is
0: yeah. Abby the next Pacey? <laughs> like by season six yeah. is Abby yeah, yeah, just yeah. the most incredible <laughs> loving person? Oh my gosh. I hope
2: so. That would be pretty cool. Though. I would I mean, interesting. I liked her at first and Recently, I do not like Abby. <laughs> These last couple episodes have been rough
0: for her. Yeah, yeah there's a difference between, mm-hmm. like, a fun meanie and then a meanie-meanie. Exactly. so for yeah. the election is meanie-meanie. Yeah. It, yeah, and, yeah. like,
3: there were, there were, like, times throughout this episode where it just, like, felt like her and Chris were just being extra manipulative yeah. and, mm-hmm. like, twisting in the knife more than they really needed to, to, like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's like I kind of understand that they needed to do it to get the reactions that they wanted, but, like, yeah, showing Dawson the drawing that Joey did yeah. or, like, giving Joey the script, it was just, like, felt like a lot of yeah. mean, well, mean-spirited...
2: Definitely. Well, like, fish. the way that Crass approaches Dawson in the hallway, like, to to fish for information about mm-hmm. whether or not he had sex, that was so manipulative. Yeah, like, oh, that's yeah. That's not Very just, manipulative. like... He's just as bad here as as Abby, but we don't really see any of the fallout there, of course, because why would we? Do
4: you ever? think he's playing mm-hmm. dumb
0: grass? Yeah. Or Dawson? Mm-hmm. Grass. In what no. way? Well, cause like he's kind of like the dumb Jock Trope yes. character, right? Oh, yeah. And he just like doesn't really give a shit about yeah. anything. And just, he just about
2: getting chicks. Yeah. Kissing babes.
0: Kissing babes, right. But then he'll do something that is like I mean, it is smart in the way that he's manipulating people. Yeah. Not that that means it's good, but he's doing a good job of being a bad boy. Yep. So is he, I don't know, playing kind of dumb to get what he wants? Is that also kind of a manipulative tactic? Kind of yeah. like mm-hmm. Pacey in a way. Well, yeah, but, sure.
2: But in in a different way, whereas Pacey like, is playing the character he thinks that, Capeside yeah. wants yes. him to be. Yeah. Like, Crass is, not, is playing the character that Capeside thinks he is, but then like using it to his advantage.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this really, it's starting to feel like that is the overall theme of this show with every yeah. character besides mm-hmm. Dawson because everyone is like, this is what's projected onto me, so I just guess right. I'm that. I'm Joey, that, yeah. you know, the backwoods girl that's not good at anything. Turns out she's top 3% in the class. So it's like, right. yeah. this is the theme of the show. <sighs> is Chris going to become like the greatest guy in the world? <laughs> like, are all these characters secretly wonderful?
2: <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I wonder if uh, they became... Uh, Class president, like was it Kenny? Oh right, whoever his partner was. I think it was Kenny, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: I think it was alluded to, but they never concretely gave him the speech and the parade. Yeah, we should have seen the parade scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sad they cut that out. (laughs) Yeah, 45 million budget. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) insane. (laughs) Hired uh, everyone in Boston to like be in Main Street.
3: I did like that kind of like throwaway scene where. um, and Andy and I Abby is like know, so hard to yeah. separate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Andy working at the school store was just like kind of like another. Yeah. like When oh, Abby comes the to book like fair or no, I thought it was the store. Like they they go to the book fair later. Right. Book fair later, but oh, okay. um, it seems like oh before when she was trying to get like stuff out of each person. Yeah. 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 Oh okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And we see Andy working at the store. Um. It's just like yeah. another little detail w- detail yeah. of how Andy is just trying to like be involved in everything and. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't call it throw it away throw away at all there's so much yeah, there no, Yeah,
3: that's, yeah. D- it's a good detail I didn't mean to use throw away I'm sorry nothing, when, when, take how it back. fucking
0: dare you when we're watching cinema nothing <laughs> is a throwaway. away so, but I, I do like that the I mean if you look at like all the manipulative tactics for every single character it is playing into them so well mm-hmm. like these are all it it shows evidence that the writers of this episode know these characters and know yeah. exactly what's going to make them tick. Because the thing that makes Andy tick is we just saw with the election. Everyone knows her like family history and how much that irks her. So now that people are talking yeah. about her sexual relationship with Pacey. It's like of course that would be the thing that makes her. I mean, totally mortified. Mm-hmm. It's good writing.
2: It is very good writing, and I think it's also interesting commentary, though that like Andy. I mean, it's unsurprising commentary, but it just is. It's. I think it's important to kind of look back now. We are like you know, twenty five years in the future. To Andy being so worried about this coming out that she had sex with her boyfriend, like that's not character assassination. That's not like.
3: Well, I mean, it's high
2: school. I know, but like, it's high school. It's your boyfriend. It's not.
3: It's, it seemed like she was maybe more upset about like what Abby was saying was that she was lacking.
2: Well, that's true. Yeah. Yes. It was the way that Abby was spinning it. But mm-hmm. I mean more I guess you're totally right because then when Abby is upset and brings it to Pacey, it's fueled by this like insecurity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That
4: mm-hmm. Yeah. That Pacey
2: was complaining about her. Yeah. Yeah. And just like talking behind her back in general. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, betrayal is never fun. And poor poor Andy like got played like a fucking fiddle by by Abby. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone did really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did nobody? How did nobody think? Pacey was the only one. Who was like, why are you listening to what fucking yeah, Abby I mean, Morgan is seriously. saying? Yeah. Pacey is so, the only voice of reason yeah. in the show.
1: Did anyone <laughs> notice what Abby was wearing throughout this? Her with her leopard, like, leopard, print, leopard print animal print. animal print dress, which yeah. I thought was fitting. Yeah, and her, her kind jacket, of like and leather like, leather like jacket. she's yeah, and the leather jacket. Which, um, speaking of the leather jacket, there is a scene at the beginning with Abby and Jen walking down the hall. Abby's wearing. Her leopard print with a leather jacket Mm. over it. Jen is wearing a white colored crisp button up with a leather jacket over Mm. it. And I thought that was an interesting like duality of like kind of like bad like bad girl and good girl kind of like you know I don't know them walking side by side another mirroring kind of.
2: I've been thinking about that too and trying to figure out what they're saying. Like, are they leaning into like leather jacket is bad is like ooh no because they're both wearing it. Well, yeah, oh yeah, I know. So are they trying to like. Say like something about that to your point. Jen mm-hmm. is a good girl in a ba- in a leather jacket. Abby's a bad girl. Yeah. Like, don't read. You know, like, don't judge a book by its cover. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, is it's that
1: like what it the is? The cover and then what they're wearing underneath. Yeah, it's a good you read. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely.
0: Yeah, but then you get someone like Billy that is wearing a leather jacket that, and he's well, just a bad boy. It's another yeah. thing.
1: Leather jackets were fo- popular in the nineties, yeah. so yeah. it's like they're using that that, but also Who using the it Billy? for costuming. Jen's ex from,
0: yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's the 35 year old that is playing an 18 year old. Well, the, you're right. I'm oh, sorry. I forgot. The other
1: thing I noticed is when Abby's in Dawson's bedroom later, she's still got the leather. I mean, not excuse oh, me. She's yeah. still got the leopard print dress on without the leather jacket. So mm. she's
2: kind of stripped okay. of that. Like, thank you for reminding me of that scene because that scene <laughs> is mind fuckingly confusing. Yeah,
3: It really is actually.
2: First of all, she just comes over and is just like, hi, so Dawson, does she always end up in your room That's what
3: Cody's reaction was, too. And I was like, yeah, it, she just knocked on the door and was like, I'm here to see Dawson. And mom was probably like, OK,
0: OK, she's done this Maybe. before.
3: She's done this before. Yes. I can't remember what episode it was. She, when she, she's like hiding yeah. out there and like yes. pure, like spying on Jen. I, yes.
0: We need a scene of her knocking on exactly. the door. Exactly. Or we need to hear <laughs> yeah, the doorbell. Right.
2: We need to hear something going on because to just have her materialize Abby, yeah. in Dawson's room is like, it's a horror movie. Yeah. What the fuck is going on here?
0: <laughs> or like even play into her character of her knocking, doesn't hear anything and crawls through the window. Exactly. Yeah. Like Thank something you. like that like would be so much ladder. better for her. But like her just to appear is insane. <laughs> is. And there
2: is another detail that we... I think, are expected to forget, but it is pouring fucking rain. It is a huge (laughs) storm outside. She doesn't have a hair out of place. She's not Mm -hmm. wet. Sure, she could be wearing a rain jacket, but if she was wearing a rain jacket with a hood, her hair would look... Like, what the fuck? So I think she's a ghost. I think she is a storm specter, and she can just appear... That's why she just Uh, appears in Dawson's room all the time. (laughs) She feeds off of storm energy. It makes her stronger.
4: Good. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Alright, well,
2: uh, you know, we're going to go channel our own storm energy and, ooh,
4: uh... Ooh. Ooh. <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: Is that ooh. the wind? Yeah. Spooky.
4: Spooky. <laughs> oh, <up>. my- <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go.
3: <laughs> and we're back. Hey, everyone. Hello. It's been a while. <laughs> okay, so one thing that I wanted to talk about um, was that Abby Abby's take is that Jen pursuing Dawson is because she, she thinks that Jen wants to feel good enough. Um, and I feel like we haven't really talked about that as a potential... Of like what Jen's motivations are for being with Dawson,
2: mm, like it would elevate her.
3: To yeah, be with I mean, Dawson. and yeah, like Jen. I didn't really
2: get it to be honest. I didn't really understand.
3: Yeah, I I thought it was interesting. Like we, I guess we we've seen Jen as like you know this like bad bad New York New yeah. York girl. She's from New York. She's walking here exactly. <laughs> um, I'm swinging here, and and maybe like she wants this more um, like holistic like girl next door vibe or like presentation Mm -hmm. of like that's who she wants to be and maybe if she's with Dawson, that will make her... Right, it kind
0: of confirms that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've talked about this even in season one when they were dating. It's like... If she is to date Dawson, it's not really what Dawson she loves or is interested in. It's like the idea of being with someone that would also put her on that level Mm -hmm. of being a good, you know, quote unquote person. Mm -hmm. And that is obviously going to activate her if Abby is saying like, oh, everyone knows what you're up to, Jen. Like you're just doing this for, I don't want to call it clout, but it's like you're trying to prove to yourself that you're not a New York party girl you're mm-hmm. something that's more um I don't want to call it angelic um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like the small town wholesome yeah yeah. Like,
1: yeah 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 which is uh, that goes back to what they were both wearing too like that and kind of w- the white shirt it's crisp mm-hmm. button up versus you know right it's that yeah. image of like being like you're saying angelic and Yeah, and her costuming
2: up until these last couple episodes has been very grandmotherly, which is very, like, home on the range, Mm -hmm. like, prairie life, you know? Yeah. Like, (laughs) she's wearing, like, these kind of, like, matronly dresses up until recently. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? -hmm. Am I I, I wrong on that? No, No, you're you're right, you're right. right, You're
1: absolutely right. And now she's in this role of, like, helping Dawson with his film and, you know.
2: She's got her edgy hair and...
3: yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I guess I just kind of wonder if it's like you know, we've seen her kind of like floundering. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess she's like finding some purpose in like producing this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if she just feels like being closer to Dawson is giving her more of a sense of purpose. Yes, yeah. I think
2: I I think so, but it kind of is it kind of confuses me at the same time because with this episode, at the end of it, right, when they get the big reveal that, no, we did not have sex. And then Jen says, like, and I'm, like, beginning to, like, see why that didn't happen because of the way that you are, like, so clearly still caught up on Joey.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm just kind of confused because I – it it feels like her motivation alternates between being, like – I guess that's exactly the conversation we're having, right? Her motivation Mm -hmm. goes back and forth between, like, hedonistic fun, I'm going to do what I want, to then suddenly, like, I want Dawson and it hurts me that he doesn't want me Mm -hmm. the way Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. want Dawson.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
2: it
0: is confusing, but I guess that's supposed to be confusing.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. But also on top of that, I mean, like, we're talking specifically right now about Jenna Dawson, but it seems like right now all of our heroes are trying to find identity identification confirmation through a partner,
4: right? Mm -hmm.
0: Like Joey feels as though if she's with Jack, then she is like this artistic, you know, deep thinker, the way that he is. And the same thing with Pacey, with Andy, like we're already seeing that. Mm -hmm. Pacey's extremely conflicted because right now he's getting A's because he's with (laughs) Andy, but he doesn't even know like, I've never even thought about my life being in a trajectory where I would allow myself to get A's mm-hmm, and that's right. really hard for me to process. And in the same way, Jen is too. And it's like, obviously mm-hmm. like right now, like the hangup mm-hmm. is like, Oh, well, you know, he was just a Joey. So like, I don't know if he's like really fully there yet, but also it's, she's saying that too about herself. Like, I don't really know if I'm fully there to be this new person that mm-hmm. I wish I could be because am I actually really a party girl? Cause I certainly love doing that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm.
2: That's interesting because I, you're right. It is all, they're all kind of looking for that validation in a certain way. And then to even dive a little bit deeper, it's kind of like, you know, everybody I think is familiar with like, don't change yourself for the person you're with. Right. That was like a piece of advice that we probably all got in like high school Mm -hmm. when we started dating Like, well, be sure to stick to who you are, and right? Yeah. So that's kind of happening. We are having people who are trying to kind of change themselves to be with the person they're they're with, i.e. Jack and Joey, right? Joey's kind of trying to accentuate a different part of her or at least explore a different part of her personality. Mm -hmm. But then to your point, we also have the other side of it, which is like sometimes your partner can actually elevate you and make you into a better person because you want to be better for them or because you're more complete, or you're more well-rounded because of them, i.e. Pacey and Andy. And I guess the question is, where does Dawson and Jen end up on that spectrum? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like to your point or your question earlier, Stella, is Jen just trying to elevate her own kind of person, like validate her own personal desires of who she wants to be or like i.e., her appearance,
0: or does she actually want to be Mm -hmm. this better person? Right, Yeah. yeah. And it's even like calling into question of like we're talking about, are they changing themselves to be this person or is this who they have always been? And right. before these relationships, they had been putting on a persona to get those things that they thought they want. So like, obviously we're yep. seeing Pacey getting A's. He's always been this smart guy. And I think we can all just like, I think right now it's safe to say that like, Oh, he's always been this and he's yeah. been masking like for so long that he's just like the dumb, you know, village idiot. Ha, ha Get drunk. And, Speaking uh, of mask,
1: there was a Jason mask in Pacey's locker. It, yeah. I thought yes. that was very good foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were
0: watching this together, I paused and I said, Masking. he's the one that did it, he has a Jason mask. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that was really fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that's, that's who he honestly is. But for the rest of the characters, I don't really know. I mean, like what we see on the surface with Andy is that she's well put together, but in reality things aren't that right. way. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think even with... Dawson's motivations in dating Jen is it that he wants to be the leading man in his own film of life Mm -hmm. uh does he actually love Jen for who she is Mm -hmm. we don't really know Well, she doesn't
1: even know who she is so like exactly who who, yeah who does he love in her you know so yeah
0: yeah this is I mean like while we're talking about this it is confusing but I think it's confusing on purpose and I think Mm -hmm. this is good like it's yeah uh, say what you want about Dawson's Creek is a show like so far like I think this is very well written I, com- I really like oh it. Yeah. yeah I
2: completely agree and I think to to further that point like yeah it's confusing but so is being a teenager and trying to figure yeah. out who mm-hmm. you are and what better way of exploring that than I think like what the conversation we're having right now which is all because of this episode like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very well written show
0: And this is also to the point. This episode is. This episode is (laughs) very well written
1: episode. Yes. Yes.
0: That's what I was gonna say, because there have been other episodes that we've talked about that are confusing, but I think it's because of bad writing. Mm -hmm. I think we earlier mentioned Hurricane, and we loved that episode, but at least for me, like I thought it was a horrible actual (laughs) episode. Like it's a bad episode of TV that's very entertaining. But what made that episode so fucking bad is for how confusing it was written because they didn't really know who these characters were yet. Mm -hmm. So everyone was just acting insane. And that's what you get from bad writing. Yeah, And here you can have confusing writing or confusing plots be well written. And that's what we're getting.
2: Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about maybe what is the elephant in the room if we are all willing uh, to kind of shift subjects, which is the actual mystery itself. Who had sex? Who didn't have Mm -hmm. sex? Who wrote this note? So for you guys, I want to know, like, who did you initially think it was and Did, were you surprised when it eventually became revealed to be Pacey and, and, uh, Andy?
3: I right away was like, it, it has to be Pacey and Andy. Mm -hmm. Um, I just did not believe that Joey and Jack or Jen and Dawson had sex. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also was confused. It was like the way that the previous episode had ended. It felt like they didn't. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I was just kind of hung up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I felt kind of the same way I thought initially it was Pacey
1: and Andy because, like, one thing that stuck out to me in the cafeteria scene was if you're watching, they to, we kind of get to a little glimpse of all of the couples. They're the only couple that have, like, a very negative cold tension between them. The rest mm-hmm. of them are kind mm-hmm. of lightheartedly, like, laughing and, like, you know, yeah. meaning, like, maybe they just made out, but then you look at Pacey and Andy and it's very different. Definitely. So they definitely stuck out as, like, something's different.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It felt obvious, but not in like a bad way. Right. Like it felt projected enough where I, it made sense. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, like I can see that they're using this MacGuffin to eventually get to where they need to go. But I wasn't mad about it. Like I know that there are some people that get upset when things are um, like you can easily dissect it from the first act and you're like, oh, like that's it. Like I know who the killer is or whatever, but I wasn't in that boat. It was like, oh, like this makes sense of like why they're doing it this way.
2: Yeah. completely agree. I think I also was like, it can only be Pacey. And I can't remember exactly the sequencing of it. Does the scene in the cafeteria happen before they find the note or before they like read the note? Or is it while I they're reading wild they're it? I think it's while they're reading
1: it. It's like they had just found, they yeah. just found it. And, and, the, and Pace then Pacey and then Andy kind of like
2: have that conversation yeah. and then Crass and yeah. Abby read the note, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it kind of like it all is happening at the same same time. But the only thing that I think makes that I do get frustrated or annoyed about is kind of what we've already talked about, which is like, wait, but you really showed – you you showed the most of Pacey and Andy. And what you showed made no indication that they could have had sex. Yeah. So it feels very much like they pulled the rug out from under us by mm-hmm. by making them be that because they're like all signs point to them not having sex so they had to have sex right it was like okay that felt like bad writing that's the only thing that felt like bad mm-hmm. writing to me yeah. and only because of what they previously showed us in the f- earlier episode yeah it's right? a reversal
0: of what we saw yeah,
2: yeah. it's it's like I, I really didn't mind having it telegraphed to, to me that they were the people like the mask in Pacey's mm-hmm. locker or like to the, to the point of the scene in the cafeteria, we don't, after after the, we see them have their kind of like disagreement, Pacey and Andy, we don't actually see them for the, like the rest of the time in the cafeteria. Yeah. They're the only people we don't see. Mm-hmm. We see as they're like discussing who could have wrote this letter. So like yeah. clearly they're in the shadows, they're guilty, they're at least suspicious. So I kind of felt like at that point in time, they have to be the person. I'm not disappointed by that. I'm just disappointed by them being like, And there's no explanation for how this actually happened.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Like, give us a little bit more. Don't show us that shit in the earlier episode. Or go with what you have shown us and write a different story.
0: Yeah, they really should have had that scene in the first episode, uh, part one of all of this. Make it more vague. Like, Mm -hmm. have the scene end of being like, I don't know if we should really do this or not. And then have them kiss outside. So you're like, oh, wait, did they or Mm -hmm. not?
3: I know it was. There was so many times where they were like, "No, I don't think we should." Oh, I'm mm-hmm. not ready. Maybe we should. I'm not ready. Exactly. Yeah.
0: It could
2: have been. It, it could have stopped there and then cut to like her giving him a kiss and being like, "Thanks for tonight," and walking out of his truck. Mm-hmm. We don't know what she's thanking him for. Could have been anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You He's know? an
0: incredible driver. Could exactly. have been a driver. <laughs>
2: <sighs> but I, I mean. I I just thought that it's interesting that like this homage to the mystery has such a kind of weak mystery that nobody's really bothered by being a weak mystery because it really is ultimately about like what the mystery reveals for everybody else. That is what's satisfying about this story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. I wish that there was kind of more. Maybe I don't wish there was more of mysteries like that, but I like that it wasn't about like feeling smart,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that like mysteries often – get misconstrued by audiences of the thing that we're talking about it's like oh the mystery wasn't that engaging so i didn't really like it it's like but it's not at the end of the day it's not about the mystery itself it's what the what happens to the characters and what is learned Due to the mystery. Like Chinatown's an incredible mystery. The mystery makes zero sense. Sure, Like if you watch that movie, you're like, wait, so they're trying to steal water from California. Like, <laughs> like two hours in who gives a shit. You just saw this incredible story about people that were challenged by their circumstances. Same thing with like the Maltese Falcon or like any other Agatha Christie. Now it's right. like, that's the, the, the bread and butter. Sure. This could have been a better mystery, but at the end of the day, do you really want to be hoodwinked? That's the Christopher Nolan thing. Like he wants to trick his audience. That's all Chris Nolan cares about. Mm -hmm. Or do you want to watch something that's like rich in character motivation? And that's like the mystery of the human experience.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. And and also like you can kind of do it in a – bad way too, where you can be like the glass onion where it's like well if you just notice all of these little details you can solve the mystery and then it's like constantly you're following every little tiny detail in this one it felt like yeah if you're paying attention you'll easily be able to figure out who did this if you're not paying attention you'll still figure it out and it's not really you're gonna figure it out before abby and crass probably realistically and it's still (laughs) gonna be fun exactly yeah it's not gonna feel like you were too stupid or you're too smart yeah Or that like they're stupid because this is the dumbest mystery that could have been.
0: And I do, I mean, I love this genre and it made me, and you know, talking about like convoluted mysteries, it makes me think of like Clue when Tim Curry is giving his incredible <laughs> monologue at the end of that yes. movie. That's making fun of convoluted mysteries. Right. Yeah. Like, like paying attention to all those stupid little details mm-hmm. about, you know, Miss Peacock loving monkeys' brains in Washington, right. D.C. Like yeah. all that is like making fun of like convoluted mysteries.
3: Yeah.
0: It's all about the people.
3: Oh, yeah. I desperately want to watch Clue. Too. such I, a good
0: movie uh, oh, the, so good the 4k is coming out very soon oh man oh, wow. very excited from Shout Factory <laughs> that has been a commercial <laughs> for Shout Factory Shout <laughs> Factory if you're listening we desperately want to be yes. your advertiser please sponsor <laughs> this show yes. I love your stuff <laughs>
1: Um, I want to talk about this mysterious book fair because yes. I don't know if, <laughs> what any of you thought but this is like the wildest book fair I've ever seen <laughs> like I, I I loved book fairs yeah. in elementary school but I do not remember them being like this like Anyone examine what was no, happening here? T- so us. there are like chefs, candles, oh, I, oh, yes, people yes. in costumes, and then there's like a kissing booth. Okay. Didn't notice the
3: kissing booth. And then
1: I also one thing I did, I did that was all very confusing. But I love that Andy is pushing around a book, uh, a cart of books that's roman- labeled romance. So she's Ooh. pushing around mm.
3: a cart of romance books.
2: Interesting, which I thought
3: was very fitting for her mm. in this moment. I was wondering if. Because I noticed different people dressed up, and I was like, "Are they dressing up for the different genres?" I, like, so I was weird. wondering. But then there was like a chef table
1: <laughs> with like food, <laughs> and then candles lit. It was th- very.
3: confusing. I think this is one it of those. It was
2: like moments a mystery
1: within the mystery <laughs> yeah. of like what is happening. In this where they book were fair. writing,
2: I think this is one of those moments where the writers were charged with writing something they have no knowledge about. They're like, "It's a book fair." And he's like, "Yeah, okay, uh, I got it." Yeah, it's a it's a fair. With books, right? I mean there's there's the vendors, there's the guy with the turkey legs, there's the jugglers, right? And they're like There's a kissing booth, yeah, you know. Sure sh- yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's that's what it is.
3: I Very loved disturbed
0: it. by a high school having a kissing booth. I yeah. know. I yeah. did, I
3: really liked the um over the loudspeaker, the the counselor, whoever says, Expand your horizons and read a book today because there's more to life than must see TV. Yeah, oh that's gosh. funny.
1: Also, Abby's outfit at the book fair. Mhm, so she's wearing this like the wildest outfit I've ever seen a pea green collared shirt with like the really deep mm-hmm. v cut yeah. collar, a velvet floral patterned blazer over that, yes, and then big like huge green flower clips yes. in her hair. <laughs> That's yes. just my shopping outfit. Yeah, I just, okay, she's dressed up for the book fair, I guess. Yeah, and for her mo- her moment of like this, you know, revealing the
3: mystery at the, after yes. the book fair. And Chris says something like, "Don't you look edible?" Or yes. something like, "Don't that. you look edible?" <laughs> just, like, oh God.
2: Okay, let's talk about book fairs. What was everybody's favorite thing at the book fair? Goosebumps.
3: Yeah, goosebumps. goosebumps Hell mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I like Boxcar Children. Oh yeah. That's a good one. I don't remember as like a high school student, but I remember as a kid really liking all the different like little yeah. like prizes you could sure. get or like toys or stickers, I Can, don't know. Or uh, not candles. Uh calendars. I feel like yes. calendars are yes. a big posters. thing at, posters, oh, yeah. posters, <gasps> posters posters, yeah. I got so many posters at the book
1: fair. Yeah. I always I get your read posters. But we, oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely be. had them in elementary, not high school. Like this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like I remember school. elementary or middle them, maybe, but yeah. I
2: loved my favorite things were the seeing eye books i'd always buy like mm. one or two of those yes. they were fucking awesome but then more importantly it was the erasers
4: Ooh. oh yeah. my god yeah fucking yes. book
2: fair erasers dude and like a little coloring. fucking caterpillar yes. or like it's a race car yeah. oh my god that also shit was feel like so
1: cool colored pencils maybe yes. like they have like the sets of colored pencils god.
4: The, yeah. The, How to get the, to you a the, book the toppers? <laughs> the toppers you could I really want to do an pencil? adult book yeah. fair. Fuck.
3: I would love that.
2: Yeah, why don't we have like get get a cool laptop case for your laptop <laughs> uh, that looks like a dinosaur. I love
3: that. Um, can I switch gears for a moment?
0: Yeah. Are we done talking about book fairs? Did we yeah. hear what
3: Cody's favorite book fair thing oh. is?
0: Uh, Well, I don't have any favorite memories of book fairs because I went to a private uh, Christian elementary and junior high school. So our books that we were offered at book fairs were far right wing uh, Christian (laughs) propaganda books. Adam and Eve, why men and women are the only people that should get married.
1: What would have been your favorite thing at a book fair? Goosebumps. Ah, Wait, so you never went to, a, like, a
2: good old book fair?
0: Good nope. old book fair. <laughs> oh, I'm never doing down. down there one day. Come down. on good
2: down old old to Blairs. the 23rd annual good, <laughs> good old, old book, book fair. <laughs> we got corn on the
0: cob and turkey. Nails. We got a kissing booth.
2: We got a kissing
0: booth. <laughs> you want to kiss a 13-year-old? It's <laughs> in, in the dark. dark. Carnival.
2: Nobody needs to know oh about gosh. it. Good old
0: carnival. Good old, you yeah. I don't <laughs> want them <laughs> but we're Sorry um, to
3: okay. All of our okay. Listeners. Let's switch gears with, <laughs> yeah. with Stella. Um, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Jack says he wants to keep the drawing so he can remember everything oh about that name. But yes. then later we yeah. hear that he was so scared and that he like couldn't get it up. Yeah. Was yeah. Like, yeah. Why would he want want to remember? Well, that? because he yeah. doesn't
2: want anybody to see it. But at the same time, why? Yeah. He like w- he like asked
0: Joey for a copy. <laughs> <of> it's
3: <laughs>
4: yeah. Disturbing. <laughs>
3: I just thought
0: that was weird. I mean, it was a real, they had a really beautiful night together and then it was ruined by his erectile dysfunction. But it's like, but they could still, it's not, it's not mutually exclusive. They still had like a really nice night. I don't know.
3: It seemed, the whole thing seemed like was a weird night. But was it a nice night? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like Like,
1: he was like, he felt so awkward.
2: I think he just didn't want anybody to see it. That's what I think. But my, I mean, I'm just like, why? Like, why don't you want anybody to see it? It's not like it's a particularly embarrassing it's a drawing first of all and it's not like it's got his dick in it and it's like weird looking I don't know <laughs> like, I can think of it, being it's 15 not like years it's weird old looking. if there was a
0: drawing of me naked at 15 and that got loose at my high school I would be like <laughs> I have to move to a different country yeah
4: I'm okay, so surprised right.
3: I'm so surprised but, that yeah. like Abby and Chris Crass didn't like photocopy that it's and put oh it my like yeah,
0: on
4: yeah, I know.
0: merch idea can we just have the drawing oh with Freaks and Creeks Yes, yeah. we need, yeah. to,
2: but we need to like do like a super high contrast scan of it on in Photoshop, so it's like all washed out, like it just got scanned fifty million times yeah. on a Xerox machine. Yeah, oh, spooky. Okay, it's coming to our web store <laughs> soon.
3: Um, I wonder if we should talk about that that scene with Pacey and Andy at the end in the car. Heartbreaking. Yes, yeah. Very sad. That was a sweet, so sad.
0: Again, Joshua Jackson being one of the best actors in the show. He's so good in that sequence. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. um, I don't know. I like keep going back and forth because we kind of were talking about this earlier about like how they're trying to find like each couple is trying to find like kind of who they are within the other person a little bit. Um, And I couldn't decide if this felt like healthy or not. Like PC kind of being like. Putting everything on her being like, you're making me this amazing person and like unlocking all these doors for me. Mm-hmm. And it's like great that someone's doing that for him. But also it's like, it's like a lot of pressure to put on yeah. someone. Was he expressing to her that he's scared of losing her because
1: of that? It kind Or was s- it more like he was like, you're doing this to me and I don't. I don't know how to process it. I yeah, I thought it was more, both. Of, that. Oh, it was more
2: it, of that. Okay, I thought it was more yeah that yeah. that like yeah. he had this idea of who he was, which is he's a fuck up, he's a nobody, yeah. he's like the black sheep of the town. Everybody hates him, and he's mm-hmm. not, never never going to amount to anything. Yeah. And then Andy is showing him that's not true, and he's not sure how to handle yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, like he's scared that now his life might have potential mm-hmm. or something, right? That he doesn't have to be what he's being told he is.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah which I
2: think is like really sweet and yeah. beautiful and also so sad that yeah <laughs> you know he has to deal mm-hmm. with those thoughts that yeah. he had to deal with those thoughts and has to still
0: Yeah I mean I I connected deeply with this message for Pacey because mm-hmm. I too grew up in a similar line of thinking but for me it was being told you know through an evangelical christian lens that this planet does not matter because christ will return and uh Mm -hmm. everything here does not matter you'll go to heaven and that's where everything actually matters and so if you're being told that as a child it's like oh cool then i'm just not gonna give a shit about anything Mm -hmm. so i was like always bad in school because i just like didn't care and then it took until i was like in my 20s to be like, okay, I need to like get my shit together because that's not true. Like I right. need to like yeah. live my life. And so getting that A for the first time when I was in community college was like earth shattering. Like, yeah. oh, like if I actually do this for myself, like it opens up every door and it's like a very huge identity crisis. And yeah. it yeah. was at least for mm-hmm. me. So I can mm-hmm. see when Pacey's experiencing this, it's like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Like, Shocking. My, yeah, like my like, entire yeah. life, my parents, my family, this fucking horrible city has told me that i'm a dumb piece of shit and so that's just the way i've been living my life and like now i have to rethink everything because i am capable of so much more and it's a total identity shift Mm -hmm. yeah
3: yeah i mean no i i do i thought it was like a very sweet scene and was like really moved and like also i almost cried and it was great and beautiful and at the same time i was like i worry about yeah yeah. How paced, like what happens if something happens between them? Oh, yeah. Definitely. And she's already
2: so it's overloaded. She's color. already feeling like stretched to the limit. Mm-hmm. So then to add you know it's not pressure but it is pressure at the same time right yeah. to your point like mm-hmm. he's putting a lot on her and saying like you're responsible for the change that's in my life.
3: You're the single most
1: important person yeah. Oh yeah in my definitely life. that's like, a big statement to yeah. put on someone. Yeah. It's,
0: it's pointless conjecture as to like guess yeah. what might happen in the show but it feels mm-hmm. very easy to yeah. think of oh th- one episode they're going to break up and then Pacey's going to start fucking up again and yeah. we're going to get the speech from either Dawson or Andy <gasps> as a friend that said this was always in you this entire time Like you just need to do apply yourself. Like you can Mm -hmm. do this with or without anyone. Is that why your coworker still
2: hates Pacey? Is in season three, he goes on a fuck boy tear and he's like, hey, teacher, let's fuck.
0: (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Just Just,
2: any teacher he can find. uh, Mr. Gold? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
3: Does he still exist?
2: (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Who knows? (laughs) Well, are we done with this episode? Does anybody have any other thoughts? You do.
0: I do. Uh, I wanted to talk about, well, we were talking about Casey and Andy and they're reconciling and this, uh, this reconcile, it happened after them being in the rain. And again, this episode and so many others like in Dawson's Creek water is such a big theme. And we've talked about Dawson and Jen swimming in the water and that was Mm -hmm. their baptism, their renewal for them to be able to reconnect. And here too, we see that being used again, but for Dawson and Jen or Dawson and Joey, when they were waiting for the rain to stop, uh, And earlier in the episode, the first time they were waiting for the rain to stop, it did stop. And then they didn't reconcile. It isn't Mm -hmm. until the end where they actually do walk in the rain for them to actually say, like, we should try to be friends again. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's like a nice pointed metaphor that's Mm -hmm. continuing through the show. And like I said, Pacey and Andy finally came together in the end after being in the rain together Mm -hmm. and then going to the car. So I thought that was
1: nice. On that note, also with Joey and Dawson at the beginning, she I liked that Joey used, she used the word specific. She used the word scary weather. Scar- she oh. goes, scary weather. And that was like the only, they didn't really have, have a lot of like dialogue in true. that. And at the end, they, them walking together, it's like this kind of good like full circle thing where they're scared and then now they're walking mm. together and maybe, you know, they're going to go through this together or not. I, yeah, yeah. You think they're good.
2: scared because Abby the storm witch is <laughs> in all of those raindrops? <laughs> one little face of hers <laughs> one
4: screaming.
0: Happy at a time. Very creepy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I also, uh, I found like a Dawson Wikipedia that shows the music that's in each episode. And that's where I discovered that originally when they were walking in the rain, uh, in 1999, you got um, you get what you give from New Radicals, which would have been such a better song yeah. to hear while they're walking in the rain, but it got replaced with some whatever fucking free song that they could find on the internet. <laughs> but it just sucks so bad yeah. that we're not getting the songs that we wish... Yeah. Like they were originally intended. Yeah, it's so, so
3: messed up. Like, so I feel ridiculous. like this would be such a different show if we had yeah. all the. Yeah, and
0: it is. It's unfortunate, too, because right now, you know, we're doing this with a fresh perspective. None of us have seen this show, and it might be tainting our experiences. From here on out, because there could have been moments that are, uh, I mean, not to be say that we're completely (laughs) manipulated, manipulated by nostalgia for this music, but it does add a lot, especially if like you wrote a show intended to have this specific song play at this specific time. Exactly. That's meant to be there for a reason. And Uh the fact that we're not getting it sucks. Yeah, just like we're talking
2: about with like costuming or with dialogue or with locations music plays a part in media Mm -hmm. and when things get removed and you just lose that context it makes a difference otherwise they would just choose not to have any music yeah if the music didn't matter they wouldn't have music yeah and it that's not to say that like it can't be like firefly or serenity which has really good music that is not like that's you know effectively background music like we get Right now, every time they replace it, every time we hear the like, do ding dong ding dong, it's like the same, like stupid yeah. fucking background music. I'm always like, is this replacing a song yeah, that was like right. yeah, me actually meaningful, like, mm-hmm. or is this the only remaining music yeah. from the original? Yeah, I feel right. like that's just right. like the
0: original score, which is not good. No, it's so, so cheesy. It's so but then bad. you get these like, fucking, you know, like we have Blink 182 at home. Kind of bands where it's just like yes. just generic pop punk song, yeah. uh-huh. generic ska song. And it's like, ah, I bet something so good was here. Yeah, I I wish that we got
2: to hear it. Is that what people refer to as the shipping wars? What are the shipping wars? Oh, we had a reference right. to that earlier. I know that this is licensing related. They lost a license to this music so they couldn't use it
0: anymore, but... Oh, the shipping, shipping wars don't... refers to like shipping characters,
3: like relationships.
4: Oh, yeah. Joey.
0: Kind of like if got you're it. talking about Gilmore Girls, okay. it's like, which shipping is your wars. favorite boyfriend? Like, who do you ship? I get right, it. but
1: someone did mention the music, specifically yeah. yes. it being like replaced. So,
2: well, yeah, I like to think of shipping wars <laughs> as various different frigates out at sea. <laughs> I've got fifty containers of Dawson's Creek, but it doesn't have the original music. <laughs> <laughs> In my mind, that's what it will always be. You know.
3: Oh, that's silly.
2: (laughs) Okay, well, shall we uh, go ahead and move on to our ratings and recommendations?
3: Yeah! Yeah.
2: Who would like to go first with their ratings? I'll go first. Um, So I really liked this episode. I thought it was fantastic. I loved the atmosphere. I liked almost all of the performances. There were a few things I didn't like, but overall I would just go ahead and say this was among my favorite episodes so far. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and give this a 3.68 which is, I, that's high for, for a Jamesy boy rating. That's a Jamesy yeah. boy special right there. Um, I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the only things I would probably change is like, why did we shoehorn Pacey and Andy to be the people who had sex when we saw that they weren't? Um, but beyond that, give me another episode like this every week and I'll be a very happy boy.
3: Happy mm-hmm. boy. Uh, I'll go. Um I also this is also one of my favorite episodes. I'm gonna give it a four point. Wow. Um yeah, overall thought um Joshua Jackson great acting. I loved the atmosphere and vibe and lighting. I loved some of the costumes. Uh, I and I and sorry. What um Cody was kind of saying like the genre. Like, when they focus on a genre, I think that makes it yeah. really fun, and mm-hmm. you really felt that in this episode.
0: Uh, this is my highest rating yet, 4.5. Whoa!
4: <laughs> holy <laughs> Uh
0: This is, uh, for me, a near-perfect episode of what this show was trying to accomplish. I loved the character beats, I loved how it played with genre, the only things that... Keeping this from a five out of five, uh, keep in mind I am talking about just for Dawson's Creek, five out of five. Uh, <laughs> th- is the fact that the Pacey stuff was so mishandled about them actually having sex? Yeah. I wish that they could have done a better job at ma- making that like less of a twist, or like, I don't yeah. know, like, it's just weird. Um, that's the only thing that I thought was poorly written, besides Abby teleporting, and uh, <laughs> everything else is really strong. I really like these character beats. I really liked how it was written, and I love how it was shot. It looked great. It sounded great. It was performed great. It was a really great episode.
1: I'm gonna do a four point five as well.
0: Oh
4: boy! And I,
1: I think most of it's been said already, but yeah, I mean the pacing. I really loved the pacing of the episode. The writing was great, of course, except for that confusion with Pacey Nandy, and but. Great overall. Um, I love that they leaned in on that cozy mystery feeling and that the mystery genre, um, and it was just great to see some more pacey character development. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we're just on that upward hill to to get more of that his, his um, character opening up. So.
2: Yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right. You guys have convinced me. I'm actually <laughs> gonna do my very first revision. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna give this a four out of five. Wow. Hey, okay. uh, mostly because Cody, you reminded me of Abby being a sea storm witch. And <laughs> as you all know, the paranormal is what I'm really here for. <laughs> so I have to give it a uh, a couple point bump there. Wow. It's our this is our very first four star club episode. Everybody, everybody wow. rated this four stars. Dang. Yeah! Wow, great app.
3: Great app. Yeah, Good I job, think we we, Creek. we could uh, refer to this as a Peak Creek oh, episode. Oh, my yes,
0: we did it. Getting there On our website, where we have all of our ratings, we should put little stars next to the episodes we consider Peak Creek. Ooh. Like that idea. I like that mm. idea. One mm-hmm. thing we talked
3: about, I think, in one of the last episodes we recorded was um, identifying moments that were like the Peak mm-hmm. Creek thing of the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder if we should do that. That's a good idea. Well,
0: maybe the next episode. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea.
4: Quick. (laughs) Everybody think right now.
0: 30 minutes of silence.
4: "Mm -hmm." (laughs)
2: Uh, All right, so recommendations.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll kick it off. Um, I am recommending a movie Mm -hmm. today called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I watched the original (laughs) movies growing up, and this movie felt super nostalgic while also feeling relevant and very unique in its uh, standalone on its own. Um, Plus, the animation was gorgeous. Um, I loved how the lampposts are just like the lampposts in the city scenes are just like big scribbles of glowing light. Like that was one of my favorites. Things, yeah. um, and I feel like I just want to like live inside of the warm, rich colors that are in this movie, and yeah. love the characters, like the teenage—you know—they're actually teenagers, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's great. I recommend it. I love all can't the remember milking where jokes. It's, where it's streaming? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> milking <laughs> jokes. <laughs> it's one of the where streaming apps. It, I, I can't yeah. remember
2: Paramount Plus. Oh, it's or?
0: in the United States. It's streaming on Paramount Plus, but okay. yeah. Yeah. who knows? Yeah, you have to find some turtle-specific streaming <laughs> service if you're elsewhere. I would stream to that. Yes. <laughs> I would stream to that? I would would subscribe subscribe to that.
4: I'm coming to. I would stream
0: to that, that's for sure. At the kissing booth with the turtles. My recommendation this week is the album The Enduring Spirit by Toronto old-school death metal band Two Mold. I am a big fan of this band, and their previous releases have been some of my favorite OSDM releases in recent memory, especially because of their unique, very sludgy riffs. This new one leans heavily into prog and expands their sound tremendously. If you're into Blood Incantation or the later albums from Death, it's definitely worth checking out The Enduring Spirit. Awesome.
3: All right, I'm going to recommend a video game called The Wild at Heart. Mm. Um, It's really, really fun and cute. Uh, It's um, two, you're kind of playing as one kid and then also another kid later um, who have run away from home and they're trying to explore this like magical forest and like restore certain things sounds fun um it is an open world exploration game developed by moonlight kids and published by humble games um it is playable on the switch and playstation and xbox and windows and mac Basically everything. Um, and, <laughs> and, um, the music is really beautiful and the artwork is super, super cute. Um, I've been playing it like nonstop for the last couple of weeks. Um, it's really like laid back. You can, there's like two different settings where you can make it more like, um, adventure or like, um, what's the word? Uh, where survival, tra- like trying to complete missions. Ah. It can, be, or you can play it more like low key and just kind mm. of like explore. Um, So that I like that they have that option too. It's pretty fun. Fun. Nice.
2: All right. I am going to be recommending an album that is, I think I'm pretty sure this episode is releasing a couple months after, but whatever. Um, I'm recommending the silver cord by King Gizzard and the lizard wizard. This will be the most recent release from the band. I don't even know what has number it, has it is. Has this come out yet? It comes out on October 27th. Oh, I'm, so, this is going to be, that dates this a little bit. I would have tried to time this out if I could, but we can't. So, Silver Court, it's amazing. It is, I'll just, you, you all know how much I love this band. So, I probably don't need to go out on at length about that. But what makes this album special is it is the, f- not the very first, but it is among the very first fully electronic albums that King Giz will be releasing. It's not like, trance or house music but it is definitely among the uh the synthy synth pop genre they released a three uh single uh music video that was uh that kind of teased the record and it sounds incredible the song that i love the most is the titular the silver chord um It is amazing. It brings me back to Murder of the Universe, which is my favorite of the Giz albums for its like weird robotic narrative sections where you have like Bonsai Buddy telling you about how uh, somebody's going to puke the universe into not existing anymore. So that's what I would like to do is go vomit the universe into death. Um, And that's what I think is going to happen with The Silver Cord by King Gizzard and The Lizard Wizard. Go listen to it.
3: Woo! Wahoo. <laughs> <laughs> Waddy-o. <laughs> All right, so next time on Freaks and Creeks, we will be talking about season two, episode 12, Uncharted Waters, where as a fishing tournament provides a chance for some father-son bonding, Gail's report on teenage girls exposes the friction between Jen and Joey. Uh-oh. Splash splash uncharted <laughs> <laughs> waters Splish, yeah, splash yeah. i get it sure. Splish, yeah. splash splash i love it splash it? well thanks so much for listening
2: yeah uh if you've enjoyed this <laughs> lesson <laughs> this lesson lesson (laughs) are are we nicking this
1: life lesson
2: (laughs) yeah we have launched in a higher ed uh streaming service i think uh if you've enjoyed this episode go ahead and subscribe to our show and join us as we continue to set sail through dawson's creek one episode at a time if you want more freaks content go to our website freaksandcreeks.com where you'll find all sorts of fun stuff like our episodes and our about page which looks like a tv script um, check out our Instagram at Freaks and Creeks Pod, and you can write to us at show at freaksandcreeks.com. Until next time. Bye bye. 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 bye.